The push. Shane, I'm so sorry to put you through that. That yeah. is our weak as hell intro that uh, we're jumping back. We're, we're very, uh, we're, we got a very high production value here with our show. That was tough. Yeah. Anyway, welcome everybody once again to The Push, presented by Bodyslam.net. We are here once again, and we have a very special guest today, Ring of Honor's notorious Shane Taylor, CEO of Shane Taylor Promotions. And thank you so much for joining us today, Taylor. Thank you for having me. I was just about to get on you for the intro, and then you came in with the – very nice, very nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, and that's why I hate it. Cass always pushes me to do it, but I feel like it, we just jump right into that, and then you're sitting right. there like, am I getting a proper intro? Like, I'm a star. I'm, I'm saying, bro, like that's the, – the, the introduction, right? That's how you start it off. That's the first step. If you misstep there, it's the whole interview is shot from there. Yeah. Then I got to question your integrity. and it's a whole, It's a whole thing. But great this cast. Yeah. I've yeah, been it, telling them this the whole I, I time. Feel, I feel like it, um, it, it, it uh, disarms you a little bit because you're like, what the shit am I listening to? And then it kind of takes you out of your, you know, <laughs> nah, it makes, nah. it no makes excuses. us all a little bit more friendly and comfortable here. No excuses. Anyway. He already told you why you're wrong. Now, we're not here to talk <laughs> this about is true. This is, is true. This is we're true. here to talk about you, man. And there's probably so many things that you hear all the time, the questions you're always asking. But one thing I wanted to get into before we jump into your wrestling career, if possible, is talk about just growing up in, in East Cleveland and your football background. Uh, you played football uh, all through growing up, correct? Uh, yeah, here and there. And, and to, um, to, to add a note here, it's East Side Cleveland. There's a difference between the two. East Cleveland is more... Um, like uh, not necessarily suburban, but more outside of the city. Whereas East Side Cleveland is that's what people know um, to be the real deal. You know what I mean? So that that's where I'm from. But that aside, um, uh, I played football uh, with all my cousins and stuff growing up in the area in the neighborhood. That was a way that we, you know, would try to stay out of trouble as best we could. Uh, cause if we're playing then we're not doing other shit, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, um, I, I didn't start playing in like school to like maybe seventh grade, but then played all through middle school, high school, college. It was, it was fun. When you, uh, when you played in high school and college, what position were you at? I did everything, uh, center guard, tackle, nose tackle, fullback, short yardage, tight end, long snapper. Um, that yeah. was actually what, um, when I was talking, looking to my coaches, you know what I mean? Like they're like, you know, linemen in the NFL, six, four, six, six, five, three fifty. You know what I mean? And run, you know, four nines, you know what I'm saying? They're like, but if you want to make it, you can long snap with the best of them. So try that. And I was, you know, I was the best. Um, but, you know, I, I fell in love with pro wrestling at a young age, and this is where I, I wanted my path to be. Well, you know, it says a lot about you, not just as a football player, but as an athlete in general, to be able to bounce around the line and be so versatile. It's, you know, people mm -hmm. think, oh, O-lineman is one position, um, right. but to long snap itself is its own it's its mm -hmm. own animal, um, you know, so to be able to be so versatile and it's it's so funny to think that at your size that you would be undersized. 
but where you're at now, Wild, right? Listen, man, that's not a problem anymore, though. I think even when you're no. you're looking up at someone, you still overpower, and you look so big compared to anybody that you're going up against. Bro, let me. All right, so quick story. My recruiting trip to when I went to when I went to school, right? Uh, I show up. And I'm thinking, hey, you know, they're here to recruit me. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to the game. We got side, you know, sideline the whole nine. The coach walks up to me after the game, looks at me, just looks me up and down and goes, keep growing, and just walked away. I was like, Damn. what the fuck? <laughs> was that your official? Was that your official visit? Uh, yeah. Real, oh, like, man. Bro, I was like, <laughs> wow. But, but that let me know, like, right away a few things, like – the type of coach he was, it let me understand like, hey, it doesn't matter where you were from or what you did prior to this. You're in a whole new thing. Right. You're you're, you're starting over. You know, you're a rookie all over again. Right. There is no seniority. There's none of that. You got to come in and grind and, and, and be at the bottom one, once again. So that actually helped uh, set my mind right for that experience and coming into pro wrestling. It's it's no it's no different. Like even if you're coming into a new company or you're just starting out, like you have to start, you know, at at the beginning all over again. That's it's interesting you talk about it's it's the same thing. But when you're prepping for a match and you're going through mm-hmm. those you know those last few minutes before you're about to jump in the ring, is it very similar or is it kind of different than when you're going through your pregame getting ready for a football game? No, it's the exact same. Um, and it's funny because I have a ritual that a lot of people look at me like I'm crazy for, but, uh, and I'll explain it to those who have and seen it. Uh, what, what I do is I get someone to form me as hard as they can in the back, like be between like three to six times. Right. Um, and I'm talking about literally as hard as they can. Um, because what I what I need is I need that physicality to click something in my brain. And once I get there, I can bring everything out. Right. Um, being a bigger person throughout my whole life, you know, you're always taught, you know, you don't don't play with people too rough. Don't do this too rough. So you condition yourself to kind of hold back. Right. You don't really get to unleash everything. But doing that allows me to turn that off and go out there and do what I have to do. And uh, when I'm in that sort of mode, there's nobody on the planet that does what I do better than me. I, I couldn't agree more because talking to you now, you, you, you just seem like such a genuinely uh, friendly person, but to watch you on TV, you're, you're an animal. I mean, you, you are, are not the same person when you're in your zone. Um, it's so interesting to hear how people go through those those rituals. Um, I want to I want to talk to you more a little bit about Eastside Cleveland. And, yeah. you know, I'm from Philadelphia. Cass is from Asheville, North Carolina. Everywhere yeah. is different and everywhere yeah. has its, you know, it's good and it's bad. But what separates Eastside Cleveland from all the other areas that you hear about in 2021 on the news and, and everywhere that makes it so, so rough? It's one of those things, man, where it's like people look at big cities like Chicago or L.A. or something like that. And they think because, you know, we're in Ohio or people don't talk about Cleveland like that, that somehow it's less dangerous. And, and the, it, it, it's the opposite. Like when you compare like crimes to crime stats and this is nothing to be proud of. This is just the these are just the facts. When you look at 
the square mileage when they talk about Eastside Cleveland versus the entire city of Chicago, when you take that by the numbers, you'll see it's, it's ridiculous, right? Like um, usually when they do crime stats and they talk about the city of Cleveland as a whole, 95% of it is just Eastside Cleveland and they add the rest in. Uh, so you're, you're, you're talking about a place that is, you have to learn very quickly. You have to grow up very quickly. You have to make decisions that the average child, the average person, the average family doesn't have to make because they're not put in that position. Um, your moral compass is going to be a little grayer than other people's, right? Um, because you're talking about survival, not just what people think the, uh, what people think the right thing is, right? Like, for example, we can all agree that murder is bad, right? It's a, it's a terrible thing, right? Someone breaks in your house and it's you or your family or it's them or your family. What happens? Yeah. They're, they're, sorry, they're, they're, sorry. They're, they're, they are getting put away. I don't care how I have to do it. My family is above everything else, right? So people can sit here and tell you their morals and what they might do and all of this stuff. That sounds great. Until you are put in the position to make that choice, I don't want to hear shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. I know people who have had to do whatever, sell whatever, you know, be whoever they had to be in order to make sure that they fed their kids. And coming from that world, I, I see things differently. And, you know, you, you paint such a, such a vivid picture of it. It's, it's a place to start. It doesn't seem like a place to, that anybody wants to end. Um, and you don't live there anymore. And you're, like you said, right. you're, you have your own family now. How hard is it uh, to to be this persona on TV that's such a just a ruthless go-getter while at the same time raising children, being a family man and trying to make sure that the next generation it has a, a real sense of what's out there while at the same time having a sense of compassion for, for those around them. Um, there is a there is a lyric um, in a song by Moray called Basad. Um, and in the lyric, he says, um, I'm trying to be a different man, but I still love my old ways. Right. And that's probably as close as I can describe it to what I do, because I'm very much. And if I'm being honest, right, I am more so the person that people see in ring than the person outside of it. Uh, but this now this is, this is who you're talking to. This is the father of two. This is the husband. This is the brother. This is the, the, the leader that I'm trying to be. This is the, um, this, this is who I want my kids to understand that I am. Right. Um, whereas once the bell rings, I get to let all of that go. There's nothing, there's nothing I have to think about except my goal and my opponent. That's it. So everything else gets put to the side and I get to be me. You know what I mean? So um, for being able to be successful enough to uh, get myself out of that situation, raise my girls in a situation where they have more opportunity, they have the ability to do things 
um, and, and learn things and have experiences that I didn't get to have is incredible. Um, I, I, and I want to balance that with them knowing exactly what else is out there. So that way they understand that there is a price to be paid, you know, for, for the life that they live now. Exactly. It's, it's such a fine line between wanting them to be knowledgeable and aware right. and not wanting to scare them at too young an age. You Absolutely. Know? And, Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, and, and again, raising uh, black children in this world, but especially black women in this world, they're, they're going to have to be aware. They're going to have to be prepared. Uh, and like you said, it's not it's not to scare them. And I hope it does not. But it is very serious. And, you know, and I want them to be kids, but understand, you know, you, you, you don't live in the same country. You don't live in the same world as your friends do. Like it, yeah. it, It's just reality. Right. Um, so, you know, that they have to be they have they have to be prepared. And, I, and I'm going to make sure they are. You know, you speak about being such a such a leader, both to your family, but also in the ring. And that that's very clear in the fact that you're holding the, the six man tag team titles with Shane Taylor promotions right now. And uh, you're going to be defending that this upcoming weekend at best in the world in Baltimore. Uh, what can we expect from that match as you go up against Dalton Castle, Dak Draper and uh, Eli Isom? You can expect Shane Taylor promotions, myself, Khan and Moses to prove why we are the most, uh, well oiled machine in all of pro wrestling. We have our group with O'Shea Edwards and Ron Hunt. Uh, we, we aren't just a faction, we're a movement, man. People understand who we are, what we're all about. Uh, there is no group top to bottom with better continuity than us, um, with better chemistry than us that can give you everything you need from top to bottom in every aspect of, of this game than Shane Taylor Promotions. So, um, Dalton, Eli, and Dak, while they're all impressed, athletes, while individually, you know, they are, you know, very credible. Uh, Dalton Castle, a former world champion, former six-man champ, former six-man champ, Eli and, and Dak both had, you know, impressive matches against former champions themselves uh, or against current champions. Um, when I defended my TV title, I did so against Eli Ison. So I know how much heart he has. Dak Draper went one-on-one -on -one with Jonathan Gresham and, you know, made a statement to the whole world, you know, that he's ready to be that guy. Um, uh, I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what their team dynamic is. Uh, I know that I can look to my left and right and trust Khan and, and Moses to be there when I need them to be. They know that they can look to their left or right and, and know I'm going to be where they need me to be. I don't know if Dalton, Eli and Dak have that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, as talented as they are individually, this is a team match for these titles, and there is no better team than us. Yeah. What made you? What made you see them as such a um, such a prospect for a team? What What, what drew you to Khan and Moses specifically as guys that you wanted to bring in to Shane Taylor Promotions? Once I started talking to them, I saw them not only in Maryland Championship Wrestling, but at the ROH Dojo. And you, you have guys that you can see have everything that you need, everything that you would want in a tag team, everything that, that you would want in uh, foundational pieces to build a division around. 
Um, and once I sat down and talked to them, not only were uh, some of our um, the chips on, on, on our shoulder, not only were some of those reasons the same, but the vision that they had for who they wanted to be, why, um, how they wanted to represent themselves, how they wanted to represent their communities, the type of men that they wanted to be, the type of leaders that they wanted to be, all of that fell right in line with the exact same uh, ideals that I had. So synergy is a huge part of any great team, having the ability to be on the same page, think the same, move the same, move as a unit. You know, it's, it, it, it's preached ad nauseum, but that really is the truth because um, when everything is functioning the way it's supposed to, you know, the machine moves the way it's supposed to. Um, so seeing them down, down there, knowing that people had two potential stars right in front of them that they, that they just either didn't see, couldn't see, or didn't want to see. I said, okay, I'll do it. You know what I mean? And that, that's kind of been a theme. My whole ROH career is okay. If you don't want to do this for me, I will do it myself, but I don't want to hear anything afterwards. <laughs> I like, I like your action figure. Hey man, once right. again, done, done myself. You know, that's another. I commented on that yesterday on your Instagram. I was like, I'm going to find a way to work that in, and you set hey. me up perfectly for it right there. Hey man, man. done my myself, and and this and this is and this has been my thing for for that too because everything's a struggle, and I understand. You know, I mean, there's there's a million people. You know, everybody can't have this, that, that, but I know um, who we represent, and our fans deserve to have action figures deserve to have merchandise deserve to have everything with our names on it when they want it, like other people get. So that's been my thing the entire time. And if I'm not someone that is okay with being pushed to the side or is okay with sitting on a bench or is okay with being told to wait my turn, maybe it'll happen. Screw that. I am going to do what needs to be done to make sure our fans and our people get what they want, get with what they need, get the things that they want their kids to have, just like everybody else. And if I have to do it myself, that's what I'll do. Yeah, man, I love that. Now, when you say you did it yourself, does that mean company had ROH had nothing to do with, with that? No, and that this, was is, all this your... was all me. This was all me. That's this is me cool. finding the people, me finding the, the, the custom folks, me doing the research, me sending the scans in. This was all me. This has nothing to do with anyone else but people in STP and the people in the UK. Um, shout out to Custom Figures and 14 Fig uh, for, for this collaborative project. Uh, they did myself, Khan, Moses, O'Shea, Ron Hunt. Uh, this was all us. That's awesome. So it's it's not just you. It's a, you can get the whole crew. And absolutely, uh, brother. Now, where can we find that uh, online to be able to buy that? Well, once those come in, those are, are are going to be sent to me. They're being sent to me from the UK now, uh, and I will put a post up, uh, and I will just ship them off myself. Uh, there's only ten customizable um, collectibles. Uh, so there's only going to be 10 made. Uh, so um, once those come, once those come in, I will put a post up and it'll be first come first serve for those. 
very cool. That's very cool that it's coming straight from you too. It's a, you know, it's a absolutely. I'll, I'll sign them in the whole deal. <laughs> and most importantly, hundred percent of that money goes right into your pocket. <laughs> also that. <laughs> <laughs> so now you have, you have your upcoming show this weekend, uh, but they also announced that you guys are going to be coming up to my neck of the woods, back to Philadelphia in August for, uh, for glory by honor. I'm really looking forward to that uh, at the old ECW arena. Now the 2300 arena. Do you know, as of now, what you're uh, what you're going to be doing on that show on those shows, or is it kind of up in the air based on what happens? I have no I, I, idea. the The plan and the goal, obviously, is to be able to defend those ROH six man tag team titles in Philly as well, um, and to see how these championship matches shake up, whether it be Roosh uh, and Bandito or Gresham and Bennett or Dragon Lee and Deppin uh, to see who's walking out with what, because in my opinion, you know, everybody's getting TV title rematches except the guy with the most dominant TV title run in the last 20 years. You see what I'm saying? Um, And to be able to get hit with a chain and over a year later, still not have my rematch, you know, that says something to be hit with a chair and not get a chance to go back after the world title. That says something. You see what I'm saying? So um, we're just going to sit back and do what we do, man. Play chess and continue to see how this stuff unfolds and pick our spots when we, when we feel the time is right. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned you didn't get your rematch for the world title too. Cause at first I was going to ask you what your, your goals would be for the rest of 2021, but that's a stupid question. I feel like your goals are everything that's in front of you. Correct. Or uh, do you have Uh, any specific titles? Like I said, man, we are greedy for success. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The more success that I have, the more we, we raise the platform, the more success that my guys have. You know, I've, I've made it clear. I, I only have three goals uh, for the rest of my career. That's established my legacy, help my guys establish theirs and leave no doubt in anybody's mind as to who we are and what we do. Um, for me, um, Part of that is being only the second African-American male to be able to win the Ring of Honor world title. And I want to do so not just to be able to add my name to that, you know, to that history, but to be the guy that brings the Ring of Honor world title back to the prominence that it should have. I it pisses me off to see people make these lists. You know, who's who's the best world champion in the industry? And the ROH world champion is not on those lists. When for the longest time, the Ring of Honor world champion was synonymous with being the number one guy in the industry. Um, And for me, uh, it's about getting it back to that, getting Ring of Honor back to that, being that guy that people look at and understand, no, I don't have to be a high flyer to be the best. I don't have to be a technical wizard to be the best. I'm not trying to be the best because being the best is subjective, right? But I am going to be the baddest. I am going to be the guy that you know hurt, sick, tired, injured, whatever the case may be. Not only am I going to give you a show that you are going to remember, but I'm going to do so my way. You know what I mean? I, I don't have to be a corporate puppet. I don't have, have to change my 
beliefs. I don't have to politic. I don't have, have to give into any of the bullshit. I get to stand here on my own, own terms, on my platform, say whatever I want to say, and then go back it up. That's what Ring of Honor has always been about. Um, and I'm going to make sure to the best of my ability that that's what we, what we return to. You know, one other thing that, and for, for, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but one other thing that I think could describe you as loyal, because you had a lot of interest from other companies before re-signing with Ring of Honor. And Ring of Honor is a company that's plagued with not having that national network TV deal like, you know, WWE or AEW, mm-hmm. those guys. Um, and you chose to, to stay with Ring of Honor. Uh, I think there's it says a lot about you and, and, and with the interest that you had to be able to stay um, on a company that, as you said, uh, isn't getting the recognition that it deserves to get. Uh, for the purpose of being able to bring that title up. But what are some of the other reasons that made you want to stay with Ring of Honor as opposed to, to branching out into some of what many would consider to be the, the, the bigger, more spotlighted promotions? Uh, lo- 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 loyalty is a big one, like, like, excuse me, like you said. Um, I, I, I am someone that when you take a chance on me, whether it be like, like a Ray Row to help train me, I want to make sure um, that I make you look like Nostradamus and you just predicted the future. So for me, um, bringing that prominence back and, and, and uh, trying, to, um, trying to deliver on the promise that was given to me and the opportunity that was given to me um, is, is huge. So I, I want to make sure that if I leave, when I leave, whenever that may be, or maybe I don't, right, uh, that my time there, people can say, you know, hey, I said he was going to be good. He went above and beyond. He did everything that was ever asked. He, you know, put the company on his shoulders and said, you know, I, I will carry you as far as I can. Uh, and, and, and to me, that's what being that team player, that leader is all about, right. Is, is, is taking that team, having them have that faith in you um, and delivering when they need you to. Um, and, and so, you know, we, we all can make, you know, we all can make cash. We all can do whatever else it is that we want to do. But at the end of the day, um, a lot of that cash comes with strings too. comes with strings attached. <laughs> you know what I mean, so um, le- learning what you need to do and why and being who you need to be to me is the most important thing. That's so well said. And, you know, with that being said, do you have any expected end date for your wrestling career or any, uh, any visions of getting out or are you going to just go until the wheels fall off? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's how I've always been, man. I'm going to do this until I can't. Um, but I think after that, um, I enjoy the creative side of this job, like um, especially when it comes to promos and it, it's always funny because people think over the last year or so, that's like, oh man, Shane's Shane's promos have improved so much. Nah, bitch, I've been able to talk this whole time. <laughs> like, You're all just catching up, getting the opportunity, right? Yeah. Like, fam, like if you ask any of my trainers or any of the people who've watched me my entire career, talking is the best thing I do. 
It's just I've gotten to I finally been in a position now to where I'm able to showcase that skill set. So um, it's so I mean, for, for me, that's what I enjoy is talking to talent, watching them take this idea, bring it to fruition and giving them little things here and there playing off of that and see that spark in their eyes to go, Oh, and it's like, yes, that's, that's the helping someone create something and then bring it to life. There's no better feeling than that. Mm. Um, so probably once I'm done, like I, I'm not a good coach, right? Cause there's things that I do that I don't explain why I do. I just know why I do. Right. So I, I'm going to skip steps. Right. But, um, but I think the next transition for me, after my in-ring career is done is to transfer to some backstage role where I'm helping uh, promos and creative ideas and, and, and that sort. If WWE ever came knocking for that, would you, would you answer? Cause they need it, especially, I mean, probably no better example than with your boy, Keith Lee. I mean, are they ever going to take the handcuffs off of him and, and let him do his thing? Man, I, I, I don't know that's wild. Like that whole situation is wild. I don't know enough about it to make any sort of like judgment or opinion on it. But I know if I had a winning lottery ticket sitting in my pocket, I'm not going to wait to cash it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. Like that, but that's right. just me. You see what I'm saying? Like, I know if I've, if I've got this guaranteed money right here, like I, I don't know what, you know, I, I don't know, but hopefully they get everything worked out the way they need to. And he's able to do what he needs to do, uh, which I do not doubt. Um, and, and I'm sure when he comes back, he will be chomping at the bit to go out and, and make sure people remember. And if they don't, he will remind them very quickly as to who he is and what he is capable of doing. <laughs> if, uh, if for whatever reason that ends up being somewhere other than WWE and he ends up finding himself in ring of honor at some point in the future, would you see him as a member of Shane Taylor promotions or somebody that you need to test your metal against? Both, honestly. Um, So for me, like he knows, he, he knows that there's a jacket, Jersey hoodie hat, all already waiting for him if, if he decides that's that's the route that he wants that he wants to go. But um, both of us want to test ourselves against the very best, and we we have now both been champions. Uh, the titles won have been two and two. Uh, so for 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 me, that was the one thing that we didn't get to do. The one part of our relationship that we didn't get to explore is who is the better man Mm. you know what i mean who when when you stand up and you look into my eyes do you think that you can beat me right and like and like i told him like this isn't and, and and i said it in dallas when unfortunately i had to hit him in the face and that's um keith keith lee is dunks he's three pointers he is what everybody wants to see he is a highlight reel um, unto himself. Right. And that's fantastic. I am, I formation run the ball four yards of carry. It will not be pretty, 
but it wins the goddamn game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm getting you the end I'm of saying? Rocky three vibes right now. But I, I'm, I'm saying, bro, like, listen, it's not going to be flashy. People can sit there. And, and, and for example, in like fighting terms, right? It, it's like Floyd, right? Defense. It may not be your thing. You may like to see knockouts and all that. That's, that's cool. That's a part of this. But what I'm going to do is sit back, make sure you can't hit me and then knock your block off. And if I if I have to outpoint you, I will. But like that's what I do is not going to be spectacular, but but it's effective. And you have to take risks when you um, when, when you have those highlights. You know what I'm saying? So do those pay off or does my style prevail? Right. Th- these are the things that we never got to answer and we never got to to address uh, when we were in the same locker room. Uh, but if there ever comes a day where that happens again, whether it be on a ring of honor stage or on another stage, um, I, I would be anxious to find out, uh, what the answer to those questions are. Mm. I think a lot of us would obviously. And, Mm. uh, you know, that being said for, you know, for better or worse, we've been seeing so many, unfortunately layoffs coming from WWE and so many people have been free agents uh, that Mm -hmm. a lot of which that we would never expect maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, But is there anybody specifically from any other promotions that you would love to enter ring of honor so that you can uh, have a match against? Uh, Mark Henry. Mark Henry. One of my all time favorites. I got him on the wall right there. He's he's an absolute legend everything he does you know there's there's nothing that i can say that's going to be an accolade or some form of praise that he hasn't already gotten um but one story sticks out to me uh be, i was at a i i had a tryout match and they and they call it a tryout match but i don't really think it is like you, you're just you're an extra you show up you have a match and you do other stuff that they ask you to do but I was on one for SmackDown. We were doing the whole loop and I've been there a few times, but I was like, you know what, man, let me do something that's going to make people remember I was here. So I was in a match with my boy Wheezy um, and I actually saw Mark Henry like walking around towards the commentary desk. Okay. And for, let me, and and, and I'll, I'll paint the, I'll paint the scene for people who, who, who don't know. You're basically in a building. You're in, a, in, a, in an arena. There's nobody. There's no one around except you, the other extras, and the talent, right? And maybe some officials, right? So there's like maybe 20 people out there uh, max, but now they're all watching you. So all these people that you've been watching are now they're fixed on you or they're on their phones or doing, or doing something else, but it's a very... Uh, it can be a very awkward vibe. So um, as I see him walk across, right. I just go, screw it. You know, I go, Henry, Henry. Yeah. I'm talking to you, old man. You're looking at the guys about to take your job. (laughs) And everybody who was on their phones looked up. (laughs) Everybody who wasn't paying attention was, and the reaction that people had, bro, people were losing their minds. They're talking trash to him. He's talking trash back. We're going through the match. I hit Wheezy with the world's strongest slam. He kicks out at one. People are going, <laughs> no. Oh, 
man. Like, they're like, he kicked out of your shit. Oh, oh my God. Right. And then so people are going nuts. We 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 finished the match. I I hit him with a clothesline. JBL is up. He better not kick out, right? Like everybody's go going nuts. So I'm feeling like, hey, for what this was, you know, we we had a blast. Had guys coming up to me the entire night, like, hey, you was the one who was talking shit to Henry. I was like, yeah. They were like, oh, that shit was hilarious. Like, so like I I I I felt like, hey, you know, cool, great night. Yeah. Never got called to do another one, but <laughs> but you know, where, where um, was that? Where where, where, uh, where that, that was in Texas somewhere? Okay. I, I want to say probably Dallas or something like that. How, uh, how Dallas long ago was or that? San Antonio? Oh, uh, this was before our ROH, so we're talking like maybe six, seven years ago. Yeah. Um, okay. For what it's worth, uh, I mean that sounds like a moment in and of itself, like a like a just a once in a lifetime kind of. I'm gonna remember oh, this bro, it, moment. It, um, it it was like, hey man, you're here. They've seen you a few times. You might as well, like, I cut promos for Regal, which he loved, you know what I mean? But uh, it was like, eh, why not? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's what's yeah. the worst that could happen, right? Like, Oh, I they, they probably remember that, too. I, I mean, guarantee I, I, you. I'm sure, so, I'm sure someone does, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm sure Mark does. I mean, and he's one oh, of my sure favorites, too. Oh, yeah. so I, I just love that. That's so funny. Um, getting back to, to Ring of Honor, though, everybody talks about, how well it seems ring of honor handled the COVID situation with the bubble. Um, Now this is just from what we've heard, you know, second, third, fourth hand. Uh, How did you handle the bubble situation and how, how, what are your, what was your experience with how they handled the talent? Um, I've gone on record as, as saying they probably handled it better than any other company that I've seen. You know, they wanted to, they let people know almost immediately like, Hey, you are not going to have to worry about anything on our end. No, like your checks will be coming. Nobody's getting let go. None of that. Like they, they put people at ease right away at a very uneasy time. Uh, they took care of everyone with the uh, restrictions that they've had with the Maryland athletic commission to make sure the bubbles, the protocols, the testing, the mass, everything is, um, as safe as possible for their talent. You have to tip their hat to them, to them for that uh, because they've been crushing it. Um, And then not only that, you know, not only have they handled the, the pandemic as well as anybody else, you know, has, um, but in the ring, the ring of honor product, in my opinion, has been the best product in wrestling period. Um, So in and out of the ring, I feel like, we've been crushing it for the last two years. You know what I mean? So um, now with best in the world coming up, we get to have fans there. We get to feel that reaction. We get to come back to some sense of normalcy um, and be able to showcase that, you know, for a live audience. Um, And me personally, uh, the bubble and the pandemic, and everything like that was a blessing in disguise for me. Had a few injuries, uh, but I was just going because that's what you do. Uh, and that allowed me for the first time in my career to really have some time off, to heal, to regain some strength um, and, 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 and do what I needed to do to make sure I was ready to go. Um, and then once we came back uh, and through the time that we've had, I've been able to do that. So um, now... Coming out of this, 
Uh, I am probably the strongest that I've been in the last three years, the best I, I, I've been in the last three years, which should scare a lot of people because <laughs> if I was outperforming you at 70%, now that I'm back close to hundred, it's your ass. You know what I'm saying? So um, it's, it, it's going to be a incredible pay-per-view and an incredible ride these next few months. Now, um, coming out of that bubble, is there anybody in that ro- in, in that on that roster in that locker room that really gets under your skin? <sighs> yes, but for different reasons. Um, not none of which have anything to do with me disliking the person. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, for example, Jonathan Gresham gets under my skin because I know the kind of leader that he can be. Um, with, and he has all the talent in the world to do so. Um, and he's trying, I just don't like the way him and the foundation go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I said that, you know, that they, they talk about pure wrestling, like they want to gentrify the sport. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And to me, if you create a whole division that caters to your style of wrestling, you should win. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what should happen. If you have the rules such as where it, it caters to exactly the way that you like to perform, everything is bent in your favor. You should win. Yeah. If you don't, we have a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But to go around and preaching, at least to me, like, 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 like you have, like you're making this big change and I can look and see like, fam, the machine is behind you and they're giving you everything you want. Every rule is in your favor. Everything you're doing, and I'm, and this is not to knock his accomplishments because he is exactly who he says he is, which is the best pure wrestler on the planet. He 100% is that guy. But you should be. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And to me, adaptability is what makes a champion, right? Um, especially when you talk about being Ring of Honor world champion. So... To me, it doesn't matter if you're a pure wrestler, if you're violent, it doesn't matter what you bring. It doesn't matter what rules you want to play under. The Ring of Honor world champion historically has always been the baddest man in the company, no matter what style they had. That's simply who they were. So when I see that and and I have the title of baddest man in ROH, that means that to me, the definition of who should be walking around with the Ring of Honor World Championship is me. Um, but, you know, and, and that's not to knock, you know, Gresham or anything he's done. He's, he's revitalized a whole division and built it upon himself and the foundation, and it's incredible. Um, but again, when I look at that, I, I, I just see that's, that's not the kind of change that I would make and I feel as though I know Jonathan Gresham well enough to know he's holding back, right? Yeah. Like I know different sides of him and, and he hasn't shown people that, but it's starting to creep through and I'm, and I'm starting to go, see, I told you, right? Like there's, there's like, there's, there's another side to him. Uh, and obviously, you know, you, you've got guys like L like LFI who get under my skin because, they act like bitches, bro. Like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. 
like you're kneeing people with chains, you're you're hitting people with chairs, you're doing all kind of stuff. Like I get it, bro, but like you can't walk around talking like you're the toughest and the baddest, and you take shortcuts in every single match. You know what I mean? Like you're you're spearing you're spearing TV personalities that aren't even trying to you know really get down like that. Like it, it's all ridiculous. You got you know. Um, so like people get under my skin for stuff like that. Um, me, me liking them or anything else like that is, is irrelevant, right? We're all here to get, get paid. No one's here, you know, because I like them or vice versa. I could give a damn if people like me, you know what I'm saying? Like my job is to get myself paid and get my guys paid and to win titles. You know, them, them being a fan of mine is, eh. Yeah, I saw that firsthand a few years back at uh, at the old ECW Arena 2300 back in Philly. You guys were doing a show, and it was back right before COVID when uh, when Christopher Daniels was giving his goodbye, and you oh, came yeah. out and you spoiled the show for him. <laughs> Listen, man, <laughs> you 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 actually contributed second handedly to that, didn't you, Dom? To, to Taylor's, <laughs> dude. Funny he, story. He didn't know it, but okay, fu- all right. So funny story about this. So I'm in the crowd. I'm with my buddy, and I'm watching, you know, uh, Chris give his uh, give his speech, and my buddy goes to get a drink at the bar. And while he's back there, uh, Sky and Kazarian happen to be back there. And the whole right. it's not intermission, so everybody's there. He texts me, he goes, "Hey, come back and uh, you know get a drink with them." So I was like, "Okay." So I, like a schmuck, missed your running, but. I was keeping his boys busy for you while hey. you were getting the single man. Yeah, that's what I'm on saying. <laughs> they they hey. couldn't come make the save because my, my man here is getting them all. Just keep that up, in mind. So. I'm always working for you, Shane. <laughs> the universe works in mysterious ways. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah, right. You know what I mean? So who knows? But but that but but then again, the way the mentality that I was in, Sky and Kaz could have got it too. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it is what it is. Nah, I'm here. Um, now, being a Philly boy myself, I, I like to think that I, I'm loyal to my Philly people, and and I'm a big mm. fan of Bry Johnson. What are your thoughts on him? Man, what to say about Brian Johnson? Uh, yeah, he's a dickhead. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't really know any other way to talk about the guy. Like, obviously, his passion is there. You know what I mean? Um but the guy just and look for, for for someone who talks a lot like myself, that dude talks a lot, bro, like a lot. And you know, it, it, it's one of those things that you can tell the passion is there, but you can tell that bitterness is there too, right? Because I, I think he's been doing this. I've been doing this 14 years. He's been at it probably 15 to 16, right? So he's just getting to a point where he's starting to have that uh People are starting to know who he is and that, and that can be that, that, that can piss some people off. And when you use anger as a tool, it it can be positive or negative. I'm not sure which case that is for him yet. Mm. Right. Uh, Cause I, I see him talking, his vein is going nuts in his forehead. It looks like it's about to burst every single time. And I'm sitting here like, man, like he needs yoga or another outlet or something. Cause my man is going through it, but um, obviously the in-ring talent is there, you know, he's able to uh, convey everything he needs to on a microphone. Uh, so all of that is there. Uh, 
but yeah, I, uh, he's, he's just a dickhead. Like, I, I, there's really no other way to describe it. In short, yeah, I hear you. Right. That's I mean, fine, man. You, I, uh, Dom, you, you, and, you and Brian go way back, don't you? How long well, we're from the same town, that's all. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, and uh, I, I totally get that. But speaking of loyalty, now, is there ever going to be another NFL team that you're cheering for, or are you a Browns fan till the, till the end? Nah, bro. Uh, I, I, I am a Browns fan. I am a Browns fan. My kids will be Browns fans. They really have no choice in the matter. Uh, they are going to take this ride with me, the ups and downs, the highs and lows. You know what I'm saying? And to be honest, they're getting in at a pretty good time. You see what gonna, I'm saying? So, yeah. Like, that's, that's why I ask because I feel like it's, you know, historically it's like, oh, you're a Browns fan, but. Listen, I, people try, people try that. Uh, Malonis tries it. My man, uh, Shane tries it. The savage gentleman. Uh, he tries to come at me light like that, but we saw what happened to them their last playoff game. You see what I'm saying? Uh, you're only as good as your last game, you know, at, at least in my opinion. So we see what happened to them. We we see who did it to them. You know what I mean? And, and that's all that's got to be said about that. Yeah, in my, you know, humble layperson's opinion, it always seemed like in the draft, the Browns were always so worried about getting skills position players and their next franchise mm-hmm. player. And they just completely forget about beefing up their line, the interior, everything that they need to keep them safe and keep them in Cleveland. And it seemed like yeah. a decade of that, but it seems like they got all the skill positions in young, mm-hmm. good look, you know, good, good uh, uh, guys for the future. And now mm-hmm. with this past draft, it seems like they really focused on what they need with linebackers and linemen. And you got, uh, I'm a big Notre Dame fan myself. Um, there you go. Yeah, so I mean, you you, you definitely did well there. Uh, I think that the Browns might be probably closer than the Eagles, or the well, definitely closer than the Falcons. Cass is a Falcons fan. Uh, listen, man. Dude, listen, don't I, even get me started. Please. I won't even bring up that Super Bowl collapse, bro. We won't even talk about that. You see what I'm saying? But um, <sighs> made me cry by myself the- on my couch. <laughs> bro, I don't lying, know who watches the Super Bowl by themselves. Bro, I don't. I, I, I knew what was gonna happen. I knew what was gonna happen. I'm like, I can't fucking have anybody around me because my Falcons are gonna Falcons it up, and I don't want to cry in front of my friends. I couldn't imagine being a fly on the wall at halftime, and then after the game. <laughs> like, dude. does anybody uh, know what happened? Does anybody know what just transpired? What? How did we get here? Right. Uh, uh, I mean, when all you got to do is sit on the ball. Bro, it, it, it it's was that big a lead. Bro, it's that Travolta scene in Pulp Fiction where he walks into the house and he's just like, like, <laughs> what happened here, bro? Um, but to go back to, to the Browns, because I don't want to punish my guy. Um, Dude, it's all right. It's all right. It, it, I'm used bro, to it. Bro, it is. Like, the Browns have had such talent, and I, I, and I think more so than just missing on the draft, it's the inability to put people in positions to be successful. Like, for example, you remember Courtney Brown? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cor- Courtney Brown, by everybody's testament, nobody could block this dude. Nobody, right? So you would think, like, when you have someone like like him or a Miles Garrett, yo, let's put him on the edge. No one can stop him. No, you put him at fucking D tackle, right. nose tackle, where he's yeah. going to get cut blocked and double teamed and, like, be completely ineffective for his talent and for his skill set. So I, I think drafting better is, is great, but also having the 
the people in the front office to put people in positions to be successful has also been one of the key changes. Um, and, and that applies to everything, right? Whether it be football or wrestling, putting people in positions to be successful can completely change the outlook of your team, completely change the performance, completely um, change the perspective that people have about your team. Um, and that, that starts at the top and it only transfers to everybody else, especially when you have talent surrounding you. So I, I'm excited to see what, what, uh, what they do. I still can't believe we were one ridiculous Chad Henney scramble away from potentially going to a Super Bowl, you know what I'm saying? Or at least an AFC title game. You know what I'm saying? Like it shit is wild, bro. It's wild. Man. It's uh it's it's you guys are right there. It's it's yeah. definitely right there. And I feel like Ring of Honor's right there. Coming out of COVID, mm. I feel like it's a similar situation. It's mm-hmm. you know, everybody long look at Ring of Honor as the underdog and uh, but but they know that there's talent there. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the mainstream just doesn't see it week to week because, you know, it's not on their DVR or whatever, right. but, you know, you know, it's there, you see it's there. And as things are opening up more and the one thing that makes Ring of Honor so awesome is the intimate, really knock your socks off type of vibe that you get at the live shows. And I can't wait for, for the show in August in Philly. Um, anybody that, that is able to get to the Baltimore show, uh, obviously highly recommend it and see you guys do your thing. Uh, is there any one town that you love wrestling in front of uh, more than any other? Cleveland. I mean, there's no. Okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's easy. Yeah, go back home, um, right? Yeah. Of course. There's. Um, that's one of my goals too is to be able to bring Ring of Honor back to Cleveland. I can't remember. I want to say maybe it was like 2005 or so that they had a show there last. Really? Um, and we go to Columbus. Um, quite a bit. We go to Pittsburgh quite a bit, uh, but I want to be able to bring Ring of Honor back to Cleveland, preferably e- either challenging for the Ring of Honor world title or defending the Ring of Honor world title uh, in my hometown, surrounded by my friends, my family. Um, to me, uh, to be able to make it here for one, but then be able to help change this place um, inside and out the way I have, um, either in the ring on the screen or behind the scenes and to be able to cap it off, being able to bring it back to my city would be dope, be tremendous. If you had to remove one, I, if you had to remove one thing from Cleveland, would it be LeBron James or bone thugs and harmony? Which one would you keep? Jesus. Oh, wow. It's hard, right? Uh, oh, that's tough. Because you want to say oh, LeBron, but yeah. you can't. You can't get rid of Bone Thugs. Well, well, no, you can't. And yeah. and people would want me dead if I said Bone Thugs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, bone Thugs has got to stay. But I'm trying to. And you could say, like, fair in all fair in all fairness, LeBron's from Akron, so he's not really from Cleveland, hmm. right? Yeah. And but, he already left you once, so it's not hard. I mean, you uh, twice. Yeah. Listen, twice. Yeah, I, twice. Listen, so. listen, but to to those points, right? He did bring us the championship and break the drought. Mm-hmm. But now and you can Cle- just put all your chips Cleveland in Stipe. You can just roll with Stipe now, man. He's he's keeping listen, Cleveland. Listen, yeah, but he just lost. You know what I'm saying? Like That's he, true. It, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, And, and yeah. shouts out to him because, you know what I mean, he's – 
two-time champion, uh, arguably the greatest heavyweight ever in the UFC from Cleveland, always reps it. Um, absolute shouts out to to him. Um, and the other wrestlers from Cleveland, too, and the other fighters, too. Like uh, Cleveland has a crazy talent pool when you really think about it especially on a major pr- promotion level, whether it be me and our, in our ROH or Ray Rowe slash Eric, uh, a Viking Raider fame, Gargano, Ziggler, Miz. Um, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, for real. I, uh, I have one last question and it's random. Mm-hmm. Always got to ask a random question. Gotcha. Stuck on Desert Island. You can only listen to one artist for the rest of your life. Who's it going to be? DMX. Ooh, nice. Oh, not, no hesitation either. None. I love it. Okay. None. On it. None. Uh, You're ready to is... get the hell out of here, aren't you? <laughs> no, I, 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 that's, but that's, that would have been my answer, whether I had five seconds or five years to think about it. Like it's, it's um, to me, he is my greatest rapper of all time um, because of not only his skill set, but his ability to cover uh, to be so versatile, you know. What I mean, he can talk about banging a corpse on one song, right? And you're like, "Wow, this dude is wild!" And then the very next song, be telling you about his grandmother making you cry. Right. You see what I'm saying? To yeah. then praying, and then talking about some of the other wild stuff he does. So he's he's like the and there is and I and I dare anybody to find a more a a clip that gets you more hyped up than him doing Woodstock mm. and him doing and That's him saying I, yeah. stop drop and watching not a sea of people but I am talking about an ocean full yeah. of people all waving their arms and singing along with that there is no better clip in the history of music than that it is absolutely incredible you gotta think of I like, like this version of the, like the live version of is it greedy that they did uh, that he did at, at oh Woodstock. yeah that's like that's so much better than the album version I think too bro I think it's I insane that. like I, like, I watch oh, that man. clip bro I watch that clip just randomly sometimes and I'm just like yo like imagine <sighs> being in his head at that moment and thinking like this must be what God feels like <laughs> I'm saying though. I mean, I'm saying though to yeah. be able to look out and legitimately People, look like the whole world is sitting there with you. Right. Bro, as it is wild. Yeah. And they are all sitting right here. They're all right here in the palm of your hand, you know, just waiting for you to give them a cue so they can go nuts. Yeah. Right? It's 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 dope, man. It's so crazy. <laughs> he uh he had one of my favorite cameos too in any in any movie, and it's uh it was Chris Rock's uh top five. My dogs are going nuts. I apologize. Oh, you're good. Have you ever seen have you seen that anybody? Uh, Never seen top, top five. five, the Chris Rock movie. He he has a cameo in that where he's just he's he's in a, he's talking about not uh, Chris Rock's character not having uh not being afraid to take chances, and he relates it to his own career. And I was that's kind of true because like you said, right. you can talk about one song this and the next song that. He just he takes right. risks and he wasn't afraid to hit 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 some and out of the park and just swing and miss on some too. So oh for sure, you know what I mean. Man, listen, like there was bringing it all the way back to wrestling. You know what I mean? Like with like a lot of people thought my choice to buy out my deal and create STP was a mistake. 
Uh, a lot of people weren't happy about it. A lot of people thought that it was going to fail. A lot of people wanted it to fail. A lot of people still want it to fail. <laughs> you know what I mean, but um, you have to bet on yourself. You have to take those risks. You have to take those chances, especially when it's something that you believe in and nobody is going to believe in you more than you. You know what I mean? So you have to be able to, to, to do that and take, take those risks and believe that it's going to play out the way you want it to. And that's got to be true in, in any career path, but I, I mm-hmm. got to think it, it's never more true than in the professional wrestling realm. Um, but that's such good advice for anybody to take. And Absolutely. you're clearly doing it the right way. Uh, you got gold around your waist. Uh, your, your name gets bigger and bigger every day and ring of honor continues to just get bigger and bigger every day as we're coming out of this, this uh, pandemic. And I think we're, very, very lucky just to be able to get this time with you. Uh, while we did, I feel like we're we're uh, getting the gravy train right before it reaches the uh, the money boat. So, hey, man. <laughs> hell yeah, I like that. So, thank I you so like much for man. years, man. Like I said, man, we've this is probably like the third time I think you've done an interview for Body Slam. So, I I love the fact having you on, man. This it's a it's been a pleasure, man. This is actually my uh, first time speaking with you, but I've I've loved the fact that uh, ROH always sends you to me there when I ask him for some interviews. So, well, for sure. Have you on again, man. Love it. And uh, thank you for the opportunity. I'll see you in August. I'll be the one in the crowd screaming like a like a fourteen year old girl. <laughs> I'll be like, ah, there he is. Yeah. There he is. There he is. <laughs> that schmuck. But right. dude, thank you so much again. Good luck this weekend. Uh, and every, and everybody, keep keep on your. Where, where are you at on social media so that everybody can follow along with your merch uh, and that action figure coming out? Uh, absolutely. Twitter and Instagram at Shane Two One Six Taylor T A Y L O R. Make sure you follow me. You follow the guys. Everybody in SGP, they're all right there. Um, it, absolutely incredible the amount of sub support that we've had not only the last six years that we've been um that i've been in roh but my entire 14 year career so so far i can't thank you guys enough um and here is to you know so many more and creating so many more moments that we all can talk about and enjoy for years to come Awesome. Thank you so much. Everybody, make sure you follow Shane. Uh, you can catch uh, his links down below in all of our bio descriptions. Make sure you catch us at Bodyslam underscore pod on Twitter and Bodyslam net on Twitter. Uh, also, subscribe to our YouTube. Uh, what is it? Bodyslam net at YouTube, Cass? I, I don't think they give you a channel. Just just type in Bodyslam.net on YouTube and you can find us. Yeah, Not important. You can find us there. Just you follow Shane. Spotify. Make sure you're following we're on, Shane. We're on all the stuff. But more importantly, follow Shane. You can find us if you look hard enough. But, but yeah. thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. God bless you and your crew as you uh, head into this weekend. And uh, we'll be uh, we'll be following you for sure. All right, boys. Thank you. Thank you.